Oh, okay. <laughs> You're listening, listening to Hold That Thought. From Arts and Sciences at Washington University in St. Louis. Ladies and gentlemen, it is seven inning stretch time. We invite you to join in singing, Take Me Out to the Ball Game. Hello, and thanks for listening to Hold That Thought. I'm Rebecca King, and here in St. Louis, we're getting really excited for baseball playoff season to cheer on our local St. Louis Cardinals. My guest today, physicist Dr. Casey Wagoner, is also a big baseball fan, and he spent some time exploring the physics behind the game, like how pitchers manage to throw sliders or curveballs or why sometimes a pitch leaves your hands ringing after hitting it with the bat. Dr. Wagoner says, like most things in our universe, it all comes back to physics. When it comes to physics in baseball, there are a lot of different things, but the thing that people start out to be the most interested with is the idea of a curveball. And a curveball curves more than a standard pitch. Every thrown ball will curve because there's gravitational force acting on the ball, pulling it down towards the Earth's surface. When we refer to a curveball, we mean a ball that curves due to another force in addition to gravity. And so that force, that additional force, is called the Magnus force. And the Magnus force affects any ball. Think of soccer and David Beckham's ability to bend the ball or kick it so it curves around defenders. Any spinning object moving through gas or liquid is affected by this Magnus force. The direction of the Magnus force is such that it will push the baseball whatever direction the leading edge of the baseball is going. All right, so it's kind of hard to describe without a picture. All right, I can hear some of you out there scratching your heads. Don't worry. For those of you who are more visual learners, there are pictures and animations from Dr. Wagner on our website. But I'll do my best to break it down a little further. So on any thrown ball, we've got gravity pulling it down. The drag force, which is basically air resistance, slowing the ball as it moves forward. And the Magnus force, which curves the ball away from its principal flight path depending on its spin. So what does this look like? Well, as Dr. Wagner said, it depends on the leading edge or the spin the pitcher gives the ball. So if the ball was given top spin, which means it's spinning forward as it's moving forward, it will drop faster than gravity alone because the Magnus force is also pulling it down. If the ball is given backspin, meaning it's spinning backwards as it moves forward, the ball will actually fall more slowly as the Magnus force is lifting it up. Finally, some pitchers add side spin, which can cause the ball to curve from side to side. And this kind of pitch is known as a slider. Which hand a pitcher throws with can also affect the curve of his throw. Generally, a curved ball thrown by a right-handed pitcher will break from right to left from the pitcher's point of view, and just the opposite for a left-handed pitcher from left to right, based on the spin that they're putting on. And so what pitchers do is they try to manipulate this magnus force. Now, 
I, I really doubt that any pitcher is standing out there thinking about the Magnus Force and how they're going to manipulate it. What they're doing is just trying to throw a curveball and get the batter out in the way that's been effective for them before. But even if they aren't thinking about the Magnus effect in these terms, as Dr. Wagner said, they do have control over several factors that affect where the pitch will land, how much it will curve, and how fast it will get there. One big control that a pitcher has is being able to affect the angle of the curve. And so this is just by, you know, the way in which they hold the ball. The second thing that the pitcher does is he will affect how fast the ball is spinning. And so the amount that the pitched baseball will curve depends dramatically on how fast the object, the baseball, is spinning. And so if it's spinning faster, then it will curve more. If it's spinning slower, it will curve a little bit less. What's a little bit funny and not necessarily intuitive is general idea or general thought would be that as a pitcher, I want to make it spin as much as I possibly can because I'm going to get the greatest amount of curve. And it turns out that that's not always the best way to deceive the batter. The idea of a late breaking curveball, which is really hard for a batter to hit, is Really, those balls tend to have less spin on them. They actually curve a little bit less. It's just the time at which they curve makes it harder for the batter to pick up. Anyway, the, you know, the pitcher really, he affects the amount of spin that he puts on the ball, and then in turn that means how much the ball will actually deviate from a straight line. And this is done just by how much he flips his wrist, you know, how violently he snaps his wrist. Of course, as any baseball fan can tell you, there are dozens of different pitches that professional pitchers choose from to fool batters. And most of these, according to Dr. Wagner, are simply a variant of the curveball. So what about the fastball? Does that just mean that the pitcher throws it really fast? Another thing that there's some misconception about from time to time is what happens on a fastball. Anybody that's played baseball knows that when you have a fastball that's pitched, it comes in and it is also spinning. Now a pitcher is not necessarily trying to put spin on it, but just the act of throwing it imparts some spin to it. And in general, this spin is put on the ball in such a way that it actually makes the ball rise. It's not uncommon to hear of a rising fastball. There is an upward force on the ball, which makes it appear that it is rising. And it's, again, due to the Magnus force. Now, any pitched baseball will not actually rise because as a ball is pitched and as it's traveling from the pitcher to the batter, there are two competing forces on the ball. There's this upwards force from the Magnus force pushing the ball up, but there's also the downward gravitational force that's always there that you can't escape. And so it turns out the gravitational force wins, but the ball doesn't drop as much as it would without spin, and so that's why hitters perceive it to be a rising fastball. It's higher than where they expect it. Same effect, same physics, just applied in a different way. Remember, the Magnus force only affects spinning objects through gas or liquid. So what if a pitcher was to throw a ball that didn't have any spin? That brings us to the knuckleball. The knuckleball is a very interesting effect that is entirely different than the other pitched balls. Up until now, when we talked about a rising fastball or a curveball, 
The important forces on the ball were the gravity that's just making the ball fall down, and then the Magnus force that's dictating the direction of the curve. Well, the Magnus force comes about when you're talking about a spinning ball moving through the air, all right? But the idea of a knuckleball is that you are throwing it without any spin. And so the Magnus force isn't so important anymore. The knuckleball is notoriously unpredictable as far as which direction it will go. And Dr. Wagner says you can actually see in videos that even catchers have no idea where the pitch will end up. You can see them closing their eyes as the ball comes closer. So some scientists got interested in this problem and did a few experiments to understand what forces are at work on the knuckleball if the Magnus effect isn't as strong. The results say that if a ball is traveling and not rotating very fast, like a knuckleball, then the direction of the force on the ball is very, very different for different seam orientation. The seams definitely play a role in any pitched baseball, but the role that they play in a pitched knuckleball, that role is kind of elevated over the role that they play in a curveball. So this ball is traveling through the air, rotating just ever so slightly, and the force on the ball will be in any kind of different direction. And so really what it comes down to is it's very unpredictable as a batter. It's not near as predictable as the Magnus force. As a batter, as soon as you see the ball spinning in a particular direction, you know which way it's going to break. With a knuckleball, it's an entirely different thing. But pitchers aren't the only ones relying on physics. Batters, too, feel the effects of physics at the plate, literally. Anybody who has swung a baseball bat and hit a baseball can tell you that when the ball hits the bat, it's not the same every time, right? Sometimes it really feels good when you hit the sweet spot, but a lot of times it will leave your hands ringing. From the batter's point of view, what they're really trying to do is just hit that ball on that sweet spot. And it's, it tends to be about six inches away from the barrel end of the bat. So what's happening to the bat to create these sensations? When a baseball hits a baseball bat, it creates a wave on the bat. And so if you had a super slow-mo camera and you could zoom in and watch the baseball hit the bat, the bat will wiggle just like a string inside of a piano. The bat will oscillate back and forth, up and down. There's a wave that goes up and down it. Well, it turns out that it's not just one wave. There are multiple different waves that go up and down the bat. But if you hit the sweet spot, it turns out to be what we say a node of one of these waves. And so when the ball hits the bat at that particular sweet spot, one of the waves does not go up and down the bat. And so you can imagine holding a baseball bat, and if a wave is traveling up and down it, the bat itself is going to wiggle back and forth in your hands. And so that's the vibration you feel. But if the ball hits the bat right at the sweet spot, then one of those waves doesn't actually travel up and down the bat. And so the bat really is much more stationary in your hands and it feels much more smooth or it feels sweet. It sounds unbelievable, but it's true. The wooden bat does vibrate or oscillate after a hit. For those of you who want to see it for yourself, we've got some videos of this effect on our website. Hold that thought 
www.wustl.edu. But getting back to that sweet spot. Sure, hitting the ball there feels better, but does it also translate to a better hit? Well, absolutely. Think back to your days in Physics 101 to the lessons in energy and kinetic energy. In terms of physics, there's a little bit more to it in that because you have not created a wave that's traveling through this bat, the ball is actually given less energy to the bat. And so if there's less energy given to the bat, that means there's more energy that is going to ultimately stay with the ball and fly off and, you know, be a good hit. And so it's advantageous to hit the ball in the sweet spot because A, it feels better, and then B, it's actually going to produce a ball that's hit a little bit harder. These are just a few of the ways physics works in the field, and specifically on the baseball field. As you tune in to cheer on your favorite baseball team in the playoffs next week, remember the Magnus Force as a pitcher seems to throw a ball that curves just as the batter swings, or the transference of energy when the batter finds the sweet spot and sends the ball sailing toward the stands for a home run. Many thanks to physicist Dr. Casey Wagoner for taking the time to meet with me. I'm Rebecca King, thanking you too for tuning in to Hold That Thought. If you're interested in seeing visualizations of some of the pitches and forces we talked about today, or to hear more of our episodes, visit our website at holdthatthought.wustl.edu.